Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Welcome to a Piddles Free Wednesday. Matt Rocchio is in. The South Side has taken over Creve Core. Might be a sign of things to come. They said it would never happen, Tim. They've been trying to stop it for years. What a great moment, though, is the Italians and the Irish get together for a truce. This kind of happened, uh, I think, uh, in Crenshaw uh, with the Bloods and the Crips. This is wonderful. Who would have thought that this could happen? But yet here we are getting together and putting our ancestors' differences aside to do one hour of midday radio. I sent you this text uh, but uh, I was told that the board at the Angry Beaver is listening to today's show to make sure that you do the same caliber of job that Jackson does with the Lil Piddles Angry Beaver. What are we doing today? Uh, today's the uh, Sports Business Newsletter. How does it make you feel to know that a board is listening? I mean, it, it kind of makes me feel like I'm back in the back in the, the, the private school days, back in high school. Yeah, I don't know absolutely. why. It, it's the same kind of the well, scrutinies on me. Well, they're you know they're not going to say, listen, the content was was fine, right. but did you represent us the Angry way that Beaver. we want to? And that's going to be the that's going to be the big question. So you're going to be put to the test here uh, as Jackson is out today, tomorrow, and on Friday. He is in Las Vegas representing TMA. Uh, with uh, with Circa Sportsbook. He just landed, too. And I guess on the TMA Instagram account, I guess that's where these are, uh, he's already having a little uh, libation in the back of the Circa limousine. Oh he gosh. just landed, and he's, I mean, this this Piddles. And he had, you know what, I texted him because I saw the picture that got posted about Piddles, and I had to know. Yeah, he's throwing up Scissors Gang Mafia. Well, I had, a, I had a note to know, I go, did you get a haircut yesterday? Because the hair looked different yeah. than it did when we left I the agree. studio yesterday. And I was like, did you get your haircut yesterday? And then he hit me with a dad joke, and he said, I got them all cut. <laughs> and I was mad about that. Yeah, that was, was a shot. That, that was, was yeah. passive aggressive. I was very I angry at him for that one. So his hair does look fuller, though. Yes, it does. And he's got it like, like he kind of did that thing where it's all pushed like into like a cloth yeah, in the front. like 2015 a, at South County Mall. <laughs> it's a good look. Oh. But I don't know how it will play in 2023 in Vegas. Yeah, I feel yeah. like they're years ahead of us yeah, out there instead of years behind. he's competing with the Los Angeles guys this weekend. Uh, maybe rough. he's competing for, for the Los Angeles guys. That's up to him. We don't kink shame on this show. And that's one thing that I know is different than what you guys do on the opening drive where essentially for three hours you kink shame your listeners. Yeah, uh, Lars, I tell you right now, Larsa Pippen and... There's some uh, kink shaming 
and, the, and, and the uh, Mar- Marcus it. Jordan. They've been getting a lot of King Shannon right I, now. We don't I, like actually, it. In that case, uh, I, I would understand how it can be <laughs> how it can be a topic on the program. On this program, we welcome you to text and we're giving away Shinedown tickets all week long on all the shows here. 101 ESPN with your chance to win a pair of lawn tickets to see Shinedown with special guest Papa Roach next Sunday night, September 3rd at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Text in to score free tickets to Shinedown now at 314-399-9646. You can also find a bonus chance at winning free tickets for the show right now on the 101 mobile app. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. Matt Rocchio with me here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota for the remainder of the week as Jackson is vacationing uh, in Las Vegas. But he's really working. I mean, I'm going to be honest about it. He's, he's really he's really working. This is a circus sports book thing, and they're a sponsor uh, on 101 ESPN and on TMA, and so that is what he is doing. He is representing for us. So, Matt, you get the responsibilities of handling this angry beaver, little piddle sports business newsletter. I'm anxious to see where you go, because Jackson, but we've worked together, so you kind of understand what, what gets me going. So mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see, you know, how do you perform? You know, I, yeah, the, the, you know the board is listening. Are we diving in right now in this segment right off the, right off the bat, or are we going to wait a little bit? Well, I mean, that's up to you. I mean, you're El Capitan. I'm just along for the ride. I view it as Jackson's okay. show, and this week I view it as your show. Okay, you know what, then? Let's let, let's go ahead and just you know, okay. let's go ahead and hit all it. Right, so much going on in the ever-changing sports media landscape. Let's break it all down with a little piddle sports business newsletter presented by the Angry Beaver, a couple of blocks south of Bush Stadium. Mention piddles for $5 off any pizza. Bad news. I have a, I have a hair in my mouth, and the thing is, I know it can't be mine. You know oh, what I mean? No, the color of it? Well, the fact that I don't have it. Oh, any. that too. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Like a can, and it was it's longer prob- than my oh, beard here. Oh, no. I whose hair just went in my mouth. Oh. Like, oh, Randy Carrickers, you can text uh, in. It might have been, yeah. right, you feel like uh, you got smarter? Yeah, I do. Got a better memory. Speaking of Randy Carricker, there was a topic we got into today on the opening drive that I wanted to, to dive in okay, right off the bat. what do we bat. got? I saw Carrick coming in. He said a lot of Cardinal discussion. That was it, but just overall baseball discussion. And one of the segments we got into was the comments about John Angelos and the comments he made recently about the Orioles and their need to raise prices at the ballpark if they're going to remain competitive and pay all these young stars. Mm-hmm. I was fascinated, as was Randy Carricker, because when you look at a lot of numbers around you know, population, market size, GDP even, Baltimore has a lot of similarities with St. Louis sure. and let's say San Diego. Like if you look at market size, money, all that stuff is very similar. And yet you have in St. Louis a consistent mid-market that's figured out how to have a higher payroll in the top half despite being in a bottom half of a market size. Well, how would the attendance compare for the Orioles and Padres? And maybe that's not a fair question. I realize that I could look that up myself. I'm kind of iggying you right now. But I would I would be I would imagine what Cardinal fans are thinking is they hear you present this question is the Cardinals are bringing in three plus million every year. The Orioles and the Padres have not been doing that. Maybe the Orioles this year because they've had a great year and the Padres have been assembling what should have been an all star team. But the Cardinals and Padres are most likely in the Padres case. Cardinals, we already know, won't be participating in the postseason. The Orioles uh, even though we gave you the win total for the uh, Orioles in taking the over at the beginning of the season, I don't think too many people expected them to win the American League East, and they're in position to do so. So I bought enough time. What do you have? This is fascinating because San Diego was actually in the top 10 in attendance really? uh, last year in 2020. They were actually the fifth team with almost 40,000 in the building on average wow. in San Diego. 
maybe because they got an organization sure. that said we're going to pay, Absolutely. we're going to try to win here, and so I, you know, and, and so maybe this is kind of a you know chicken versus the egg, a kind of a cyclical thing in Baltimore where he's saying I have to raise prices because the attendance in there, Baltimore, by the way, um, last year was at twenty third with under eighteen thousand in the ballpark every day. Maybe he's saying I got to raise prices because I'm only getting eighteen in there, but the opposite would say you see two other markets similar size similar right. money and because they've built something consistent there is that attendance there that allows you maybe to say we can raise the price a little bit yeah I uh, the payroll a little bit i should say mm-hmm. and, and but for me though when you look at baltimore you know the money around the city is certainly more available than st louis when you talk about fandom being able to get people in the through the gates and things like that there's more money available to spend on entertainment in baltimore when you look at the money uh, just like GDP numbers and things like that, then there is even in St. Louis, San Diego, obviously a lot higher than both of those markets. It just seems like another move by Angelos complaining about things that are essentially his own fault. Yeah, well, I, I, I think specific to the Orioles versus the Cardinals and the Padres, the Orioles don't necessarily have the expense yet. The Cardinals have expense with really, I mean, a handful of players in 2023. Uh, one of those players will be retiring at the end of the year, and then you'll be left with the expenses of Goldschmidt, Arenado, Michaelis, Contreras, and I suppose if you want to include him, Steven Matz. Uh, the Padres have a bunch of expensive players right now. The Orioles' expense is going to be coming in the next couple of years when these guys who are young players hit the market or get to a point where they're in arbitration. It was interesting to me. There was an article in the top uh, farm systems in baseball, Mm -hmm. and this was on ESPN.com yesterday. I was reading it, and the Orioles were number one, which is really saying something because here they are with a bunch of young players, offensively specifically, that have played a role in leading the American League East. I still would short them for the postseason because of pitching, even though I think I'll be pulling for them in per perhaps spite of the John Angelos ownership situation. Uh, but with that, I just think that would be a hell of an atmosphere this year if the Orioles can make a deep run. They haven't been there since 83. That uh, those guys aren't expensive relative to what the Cardinals, you know, a handful of players get them to $100 million. And certainly the Padres are spending way above their skis. Um, and I think that fans appreciate that. But at the same time, the cost of doing that business is if you don't reach the promised land, you then are stuck. We see the Mets now are turning attention toward 2025 or six. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, with a story in The Athletic yesterday, that they were super close to trading Pete Alonzo, friend of the Cardinal organization. Pete Alonzo nearly going to the Brewers at the deadline. I hadn't heard that story. So when Rosenthal reported, he said Mets officials denied it was that close. A Brewers official said it was close. Uh, The Brewers certainly have a lackluster offense considering where they are in the National League Central Division. Um, So what I'm saying by that is even a market the size of New York has to press pause if the spending doesn't produce results. So what is it going to be like for the Padres, who, barring an absolute ridiculous run, aren't going to be in the playoffs and are going to be in a spot where they have a huge payroll, might not even be in a position to compete for Blake Snell and keeping him in San Diego, even if they wanted to because of the expense of of their payroll. So it it does cut both ways. And this year, I think many would say the teams who are performing the best are some of the teams that actually didn't spend in a total surprise. I mean, you've got a number of surprising teams this year. So I understand 
him talking about that. I don't really know why he would talk about that. I, I don't. I, I, what was the context of how that even came up? Like, why would you be fo- like, especially when you have such negative market equity anyway with what just took place with the, the broadcaster, Kevin Brown? You've got a first place team leading the American League East. Why would you say, hey, we're going to have to up ticket prices? I mean, what? A, that's like another terrible, unforced error. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not sure exactly what guy. He was doing an interview with Tyler Kepner of the New York Times, and, he, and the, basically the meat of it was the hardest thing to do in sports is to be a small market team in baseball and be competitive because everything is stacked against you. Everything. And then the, the, the line he used was they would need to, quote, unquote, dramatically raise prices if they were to keep the likes of Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, among others. But I mean, dramatically raise prices. I again, what, what, I, I'm putting you on the spot. It, usually, I, I know things before I ask them. It's kind of the the Christopher Darden, Marsha Clark play. Don't ask the question on the radio unless you know the answer. Don't ask the question of a witness unless you know the answer. Um, but I don't know what the Orioles' attendance is like. I'm sure it's been garbage over the last decade because the team's been garbage, and it's also relatively speaking a small market, all, albeit part of the, the Beltway. I just I would imagine with volume you can make up some of that difference. So if they do have a successful run that we are seeing the start of, sure you may raise ticket prices in part is supply and demand, but but secondarily volume can make up for that. So the the raising in uh, tickets for the Orioles as they've improved from 52 and 110 in 2021 to their 77 and 48 record this year, they were averaging under 10,000 at 9,700 in 2021. Really? Wow! Averaged under 17,000 last year at 16.8. This year, first place in the AL East, they're averaging 23,000. So you've gone from 9,700 to 16.8 to 23. 230 percent increase. And is is there a projection on where that that's still not going to get them three million? And see, that's that's that that's the counter that that Cardinal fans fairly, by the way, present is okay. Yeah, it's not a big market, but. The attendance. Now, you do have to. You do have to also. You can't just dismiss. Yeah, it's not a big market because here's three million. It's all part of a business's picture, and it is a business. I know that that might sound redundant, but I feel oftentimes people don't necessarily see it through that lens. Sometimes I should say. So, yeah, the Cardinals. The thing that I keep hammering away at. Do you guys talk about this on the opening drive about the television situation? I, I think that was a, that was something else I, I was going to mention that okay. about about because uh, Baltimore and the Nationals share MASN. Right. And right now the Nationals are deep in litigation uh, with them about their rights and, and and them being paid. Baltimore's not having as much, the Orioles aren't having as much of an issue with MASN as the Nationals are, but I imagine no one's, unless you're, again, unless you're having the top ratings like the Cardinals have, your regional sports network probably isn't doing that great. Yeah, yeah. and San Diego is one of the ones that uh, was talked about with Diamond Sports, which the Cardinals are in that situation as well, except Diamond Sports wasn't considering uh, not paying the Cardinals. They have not done that with the Padres yet either, but they're both under that umbrella. Uh, you know, along those lines, uh, and I realize some people go, well, it's Bob Nightingale. He, you know, misses more often than he hits, but... Uh, Bob Nightingale with a report, uh, was it yesterday, that the Cardinals are focused on Aaron Nola? I don't know how or why they would be necessarily saying that. Of course, it wasn't a quote. Um, so here's here's my resounding attempt at, at closing the book on question one of the Matt Rocchio Angry Beaver sports business newsletter uh, with Piddles in, in Las Vegas, is if the Cardinals within the next three months sign Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, 
Julio Urias. And I also think no matter what, I think there will be a trade for a starting pitcher. I, that, that's something I would operate as a lock. I don't know who it will be, but I just think that's inevitable uh, with a quote-unquote surplus of position players. Because oftentimes when you say surplus, that means you have so many good options. In this case, you just have a surplus of guys who play positions. I don't know if you necessarily have a surplus of all-stars. With that said, I think if fans see the front office spend a bunch of money on a starting pitcher, that will quell a lot of the justifiable angst, uh, if not anger, that exists right now. The problem is, is when you are paying for a free agent starting pitcher, rarely are you getting one who's a free agent in his mid-20s, because rarely does a free agent pitcher hit the market in his mid-20s. You're paying at the peak value. And uh, and Aaron Nola, you know, he had a good start on Monday night, but he hasn't had a great year. And so, you know, it, it, this isn't necessarily a solution, but it will be something that I think Cardinal fans will welcome and it will help calm down the anger. That's if indeed he isn't re-signed by the Phillies. Yeah, it needs to be a big name. Like I said, I think it's I'm kind of with you that there's definitely going to be a trade for a starting pitcher. My big thing is just that the rhetoric kind of has already shifted, and maybe it's just that this is why saying definitive things is an odd decision by people at this moment because we hear three starting pitchers, and then a week later we hear three pitchers. It's just like, well, am I supposed to? Am I supposed to notice that I just change? Don't, for the life or, of me, I don't. I, I have no idea what the point of saying publicly we're going to increase payroll if you didn't know you were, because uh, then that then that damages your credibility. And I have no idea what the point of saying well, this is a team that's focused on returning to contention in 2024. Because what if you would have received offers that blew you out of the water for Arenado and Goldschmidt and whoever else? I don't know. Uh, and you go, my God, we we can't we can't possibly pass on that. And then on top of it, if you don't return to contention, some of it can be outside of your control with injuries. Then that damages your credibility further. I just I, I don't I don't get the the point of that. I really don't. I suppose you can say season ticket sales, but for the life of me, I just keep going back to I wish they would have traded Paul Goldschmidt. I was just about to ask. That. Oh, that's that's, what, that's what everything goes back. But but again, if Goldschmidt said I don't want to go anywhere, then that's 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 why it's not really a fair conversation and i bring it up almost every day all right we got a break i'm as you might know how does randy do with the clock i mean he's a pro i'm an i'm an hd2 godless pervert so i don't really have to deal with the clock but in here i'm so bad with the clock because i'm used to going as you know because you've run board for tma we did a we did a 95 minute segment to start today Oh, so you went short. Uh, it was a brief one. I cut it. I cut it short. Uh, Randy is, is good about it when we're not having like a, like a, if there's a good segment, Randy's does not want to right. cut it short. So yeah, like, if we haven't good, ever had a good yeah, segment. If there's so. a good like interview, like if we when we have Amzinger on, Randy's not getting out of oh, yeah. twelve minutes. It's not I, happening. I'd lock in Amzinger for a while too. Yeah. So all right, we'll take a break here. Uh, Matt Rocchio is on the board the remainder of the week with Jackson in Las Vegas at Circus Sportsbook, and uh, we'll go back into the Angry Beaver Little Piddles. Today, Matt Rocchio, Sports Business Newsletter here on Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on YouTube and 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back. It is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Tim McKernan, Matt Rocchio in for Action Jackson. You're welcome to get involved and win the tickets to Shine Down by texting in 314-399-9646. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com as there is a bonus chance at winning free tickets for the show right now on the 101 mobile app. Text in Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. And you're also welcome to leave a mic drop. Stephen Wildwood says he left a mic drop. 
Yeah, I don't want to put your job at risk, uh, so you may want to vet it during the uh, bottom of the hour break, and uh, we can we can tend to it uh, there. But uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of text here on the conversation with your your first question, um, and there's a lot of a, a, a constant, not to say every single text, but essentially this text right here that I'm reading kind of sums up the flavor of what I read during our commercial break, Matt. Mozeliak can say whatever he wants because he's never going to be held accountable, so his word means nothing. That's from the 314. And this is, and I don't know what you guys have said on opening drive because we're on at the same time down the hallway, but um, this is something I know I've brought up on Balloon Party and I actually just said about an hour ago on TMA. I would imagine someone or multiple people will lose their job with the San Diego Padres this year, assuming they don't rattle off 35 straight. Uh, And I imagine somebody or some people will lose their job with the New York Mets. Uh, You saw two guys lose their job yesterday on the south side of Chicago with Ken Williams and Rick Hahn. Uh, and, And Ken Williams was the GM when they won the World Series in 2005. Rick Hahn was promoted to that spot when Williams moved to the uh, essentially Mazalak-like position with the White Sox, and Jerry Reinsdorf parted ways. Jerry Reinsdorf, certainly a nostalgic guy. You saw him bring back Tony LaRusso a couple of years ago. My point being this, and this isn't about the media in this town is soft and doing that song and dance. What I'm, what I'm saying is overall, what strikes me as just odd is that we're just all kind of accepting that John Mazalak and Ali Marmol are going to have their jobs next year. And I don't know if there is another market in the country where that would happen when you have a team expected to, at the very least, compete for its division, if not be the favorite for its division, and then have this kind of a disastrous season. Now, in fairness, with bringing that point forward to the discussion, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. You know, the White Sox whacking Ken Williams and Rick Hahn at the end of August you know, how symbolic is that? You know, you could have waited till the end of the year. I don't know. Who knows? I have no idea what's going on in their front offices. Point being, the Mets and the Padres and the Cardinals still could make moves. The difference I would present is the following. I think there is an expectation that moves will be made in October in San Diego and New York. And here in St. Louis, I don't think there is an expectation that moves will be made, at least moves of material consequence. And so that, I think, also is a reason why fans are frustrated, because the same group that put this mess together is being entrusted to fix it. And that from my standpoint, can be problematic, at the very least with the architecture of the rebuild, but also with the trust chasm that exists between the organization and the fan base. Yeah, and it's just, it it would be the oddest thing in the world if especially just everyone who is a Cardinals fan still has the win streak and the Mike Schilt firing and how and and Bozelak's comments about how they decided to fire him before the win streak. All of that is still so fresh that you then cannot look everyone in the face and say, yeah, it's our worst finish since the 1970s. But we don't feel like we need to fire anybody or change what's going on here in a large way. We just need to tinker with things. That is I, those two things do not. You, the, the, it's never going to line up in well, fans minds. I just I, shouldn't. I just don't know how. I mean, listen, of course, it can happen. It just strikes me as it's going to be awfully difficult to to win the National League Central, different conversation. But to be a championship contending team, and I have championship, I mean beyond division championship contending team in 2024, that strikes me as an aggressive ask. And that's why I just, I just, I, I 
I, I continue to say I'm confused. I, that's the best way I can say it. I don't really get angry about sports events or decisions unless I think somebody is being dishonest or disingenuous or manipulating facts to damage somebody's reputation. But I'm confused. I was confused during the offseason, and I, I'm confused by the things that were said at the trade deadline about this team being focused on contending in 2024. Um, I can understand internally that being the message, but I don't know why you would say that because then it boxes you in for moves when you're in a seller's position. And and then going out and getting three starting pitchers, and as you present now, it's three pitchers. I don't know if that means the goalposts have moved. I don't know. But the thing about that is, is you're when it comes to free agency, you're not in control. If Aaron Nola yeah. wants to sign with the Phillies or if he wants to pitch in Los Angeles or New York for whatever whatever it is, you're not in control there. You're not in control with Julio Urias. You're not in control with Blake Snell. It's just, it's a, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm confused. And, and, and I guess what I would say is if you feel a comfort level that you're invincible, then you don't necessarily have motive to mind your P's and Q's and or back up what you say. And I think that also speaks to why fans are, at, from my standpoint, my career in St. Louis at an all-time high, without question, on frustration with the Cardinals. It's it's without, it's without, because it's been building over a number of years. And that includes last year in a division title year. Um, meanwhile, the Blues have a, not I wouldn't say similarly, but certainly a disappointing season where they were sellers as well. And I feel like the Blues have all of this equity with the fan base. And it's really, an, it, from my standpoint, it's an interesting psychology case study as to why one organization that's coming off a bad year has equity and another organization that's coming off four straight years ago into the playoffs, including two division championships in that run, one NLCS, uh, has real negative approval from the fan base. And, and I always go back to, Blues fans believe the words that come from the organization, and they believe that the Blues are going to do whatever they can to win. And Cardinals fans believe that they are their loyalty is taken for granted. I think that is how I would pin it down if I could concisely. And if you had to look at these two seasons, would it be the kind of proactive move from Doug Armstrong early on in a lost season to come up to say, we're going to do a press conference, and we're going to say, listen, we, we screwed this up, and we got a long way to go, and we're going to start working on it from today and more of a listen Mosellox you know he's been talking but there just never seemed like there was that moment where they were like listen we got to kind of have a, a little bit of a come to Jesus moment here with the fan base because this is not going the way we thought it was going to is there and, and I mean the Blues were so quick to do that and I feel like oh, that, yeah that happened that, in the first week of November yeah. if you remember I mean a, a New York Islanders game I went to that game on a, I think it was a Tuesday or Thursday night I know it was a weeknight I went there with my son and I'm like, man, this game is like the game. If they don't win this game, it becomes almost like a game seven. That that if this doesn't happen, then things there's going to be ramifications. And it's the first week so, in November. And that so that would I mean that would equate to essentially like May, right? And the first time I heard John Mozeliak make comments towards this not going the way they thought, let's talk about next season was July. Mm-hmm. And so I, if, if there was just so much time where the Blues, you know made that decision and they, and they made that statement and the Cardinals didn't and I think that that's got to be part of it. So this is a this is this is my core overall thought that that strikes me is just it's a unique thing about the Cardinals. I wouldn't say it's a unique thing about St. Louis because it's about the Cardinals. There's just an expectation locally that everybody will be back. Mm-hmm. And isn't that odd? Because I can't imagine if I were doing a show in San Diego or New York that there would be an expectation that everybody in the front office and and, uh, on, you know, the the bench and the manager would be back. It's just going to be understood that at the end of the year, there's going to be whackings. Now, maybe it'll be like 
bench coaches, third base coaches, first base coaches. I don't know. I don't know what direction it would go. Um, that's the thing that, that strikes me. And then that, to me, conveys a lack of uh, commitment to turning this thing around, even though I do believe that that's what they want to do. But part of turning it around is acknowledging that something wasn't right in the thought process, and now you're going to entrust that same group to fix it. That would be problematic to me. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service. Text line, we'll take a break. Come back with the second half of the program that includes the Angry Beaver Sports Business Newsletter. Matt Rocchio, Tim McKernan with you. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mugganess, St. Louis Acura, and all in Toyota, 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. You playing something, bro? What? <laughs> you're, ta- you're talking to Ryder. Oh, yeah. And I gotta be honest Sorry. with you. That's not something that Jackson does. He's usually got done wetting himself after a WNBA update. And so this oh, communication yeah, about sorry. sound and such, like real production, is foreign uh, yeah. to me. I don't understand had, your yeah. HD one ways. No, no, no. I screwed up. Aya Wilson had 53 <laughs> points, a new WNBA record Thank for you. the Las Vegas Thank, Aces. Now I feel back at home. Thank you. Sorry if I, I, I unmoored everyone from Thank the show. You. Thank you. My apologies. Uh, yes, uh, Matt Rocchio filling in for Jackson, who just posted a video oh, in the back of a limousine wearing sunglasses, wearing the equivalent of the shorts that Jerry West is wearing in uh, winning time. I mean, for real. I think a, a nut's a th- about to fall out. Is he on the three-inch inseam game now? Yeah, also? He's proudly proclaiming five-inch inseam. And he's, uh, he's, wearing, I mean, he's wearing these sunglasses, and he's in the back of a limousine on his way to Circa in Las Vegas having a libation. I did hear the conversation that apparently he was going to go with sunglasses indoors That's across his thing. this trip. That's his thing. Interesting so, move. Uh, yeah, TMA uh, underscore STL if you want to see where Piddles is and what he is up to. I know Jamie Rivers is going to be monitoring it. We're giving away Shinedown tickets today at the end of today's balloon party. Text in. Best text gets the uh, the tickets. 314-399-9646. Matt Rocchio filling in the remainder of the week here for Jackson and his sunglasses indoors in Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for question number two of the Angry Beaver Sports Business Newsletter. Well, Chris Correa, you can step aside because we have a new hacking allegation in sports. This one coming out of the New York Knicks as they are now suing the Toronto Raptors because of an illegally procured and then disclosed proprietary information from a former Knicks employee who is now employed by the Raptors. uh, Ketchkwu Ozatam, who worked for the Knicks hmm. from 2020 to 2023, sent the Raptors thousands of confidential files, according to the plea from the New York Knicks, including a prep book for the 2023 season, video scouting files, opposition research, and more. He apparently at the, again, this is all according to the lawsuit presented by the Knicks, he apparently at the behest of the Raptors, while still working for the Knicks, signed in to their stats account and pulled numbers over and over and over again. They say there was over 9,000 or 3,000 files and they have been accessed over 2,000 times by Raptors 
uh, coaches and staff. So we have a new hacking um, one here, though this is a little bit different. You're not hacking into their system. You're paying an employee of them that you're apparently going to hire later to hack for you. So I'm not sure how this goes on. I'm not sure if maybe this is just a problem we're going to see more in sports as everything just becomes more electric. We talked more about the issues with gambling and things like that. But I, I, I like a new I like a new uh, scandal here between franchises. We don't get it nearly enough. Uh, the, the, for the record, the Raptors uh, say they strongly deny any involvement in the matters that are alleged by the New York Knicks uh, and uh, MSG. So um, this is one that uh, kind of may play out like uh, the Northwestern versus Pat Fitzgerald situation if it gets to a court. And I'm getting the sense that that one is going to head that direction as more and more Northwestern players uh, defend Pat Fitzgerald. I'm anxious to see what the reaction is from those associated with the Raptors if they say this is absolutely BS. It does strike me as an odd thing, though, to come up with if it is absolutely BS. Here's the thing. But there are a few things that that I kind of wonder about because... Um, it says that he's he's been he, he was doing it from for multiple years, mm-hmm. and yet apparently the Raptors just hired him this past July, and then the and then the, apparently the Knicks immediately discovered the day after he did his final day with the Knicks, they immediately discovered that he was doing this, and and so the timeline for me seems kind of odd. And that you wouldn't you do this like the last like few months of a guy's employment? Why would you do this for years? Because you're going to get caught. Yeah. It just seems like the timeline is odd, and it just, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. There haven't been any um, public comments made um, from Azatam. Uh, calls that and uh, texts is. have not been responded to. Um, but it just seems like an odd timeline situation right now, and I think it's going to be one of those things where when we get more clarification about exactly some of the dates that people are accusing people of, things are going to start to come to light. Uh, for the record, the Knicks learned of the matter on August 15th, one day after his final day as a Knicks employee. So, uh, yeah, he shared illegally 3,358 video files, and the stolen files were accessed over 2,000 times by the Raptors' defendants. That Those are awfully specific numbers if you're... If you're, if you're running a bluff. <laughs> so maybe I'm missing something, but uh, yeah, we could have another situation like we had with the Cardinals and the Astros. Question number three of the Angry Beaver Sports Business Newsletter with Matt Rocchio. You ready for a little relocation? Uh, what do we got? Are we, are, I, I think I know where we're going. It's in Chicago, but we're, Chicago we're not White going Sox. with the Bears. White it Sox. is, in fact, the yeah. White Sox. As there is reports right now, they have six years left on their lease. And here's what's fascinating to me is I, obviously, born in 1991, I had no idea about some of the specifics in the 1988 um, situation where they almost get moved to Florida. I didn't and then, know that either. And then the, the Chicago governor apparently came in. Chicago's got a governor now. Is oh, that sorry, the, Robinson, the Illinois, the Illinois governor, excuse me. The Ten sorry, Commandments. sorry, the Illinois governor came in, whips up the General Assembly to get funding for the White Sox to build a new stadium on the south right? side. I didn't, know that that, I didn't know that history either. Comiskey there, was kind of falling apart. That was the old White Sox stadium. The new stadium... It reminds me a little bit, if I can draw a parallel for those of you who have been to a number of both Major League ballparks and NFL stadiums. The White Sox Stadium is to Major League Baseball, Matt, what the dome in downtown St. Louis is to the NFL. It was built right before 
the renaissance that came with baseball stadiums that was Camden Yards, which I think opened in 92, may have been 91, either way. But the White Sox Stadium seemed a bit outdated within a handful of years of its creation, I would say very comfortably. The Dome was in that same... I thought the Dome... I was. I remember watching that first game against the Panthers. I was in school at Missouri and going, I can't wait to see this building. I go, boy, that's a little rough for being... But, you know, what am I? I'm 18 years old. So, but I thought it would be better since it's brand new. Same thing for the White Sox. That, by the way, may make me circle back to why Jerry Reinsdorf yesterday announced the firings of Ken Williams and Rick Hahn. I was trying to figure out why on August 22nd, out of nowhere, with a month and a half left, (laughs) he would do it. And now I feel like, oh, no further questions, Your Honor. That, that that might explain it. Like, oh, God, they're on to us, so let me do something big baseball-wise. All I got left is to fire Ken Williams and Rick Hahn, if, if that is. So where are they saying they might move? Um, that's the thing. is it's, it's one of those things where it's six years out, and it's one of the, I think maybe I don't may, I'm not going to say it's because of the Rams, but I feel like the reporting around relocation is a little bit different. And if you can get the kind of the siren of, hey, this is six years out going, you can start getting some start foot traffic going. Because yeah. again, the other case in 1980, and it was St. Petersburg. And apparently he was down oh, it there. Wasn't Miami. They had Florida White Sox shirts printed. Wow. And apparently they, the, the governor uh, called him up and was like, listen, I'm going to get you the funding. And he got it. So I'm just wondering if maybe they put out that story to say, yeah. we got saved last minute in 88. Now we got six years. Let's start building something here. Oh, I see. I guess, you know, what is weird as it is to say that ballpark is, comparatively speaking, it is on the older side now. So I can't imagine that they would they would get out of there. But. What what is the market share like? I mean, I know you're a shy town insider here. Yeah, the uh, the I mean Chicago. It's, it's the, Cubs, the Cubs, right? Yeah, the Cubs. I mean, is it like eighty twenty? I mean, is it that exaggerated? I'd, I'd, I'd say it's probably seventy five twenty five. But here's the bigger thing, though. Not only is because you got to think the inside money is is heavy Cubs. Sure. But any outside money, I think, is even more diametrically I think Cubs. So too. Right. So I think if you're talking about outside money, it's probably like ninety percent of the outside money that comes into the city from non-Chicago residents is going all Cubs too. So it's it's problematic there, and the, the they also got a statement from JB Prickster because you put this out here. Obviously, the, yeah. the current governor's got to make a move. The White Sox are a Chicago institution, and the governor always hopes Chicago teams will stay in Chicago. Governor Pritzker doesn't support taxpayer subsidies for private teams, but with a lease that has six years remaining on guaranteed rate field, there will likely be ongoing conversation for several years among the team owners and local stakeholders. Mm, the negotiation is underway on the south side of Chicago. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. We will be giving away the tickets to Shinedown coming up in our final segment. Then it's BK and Ferrario, Tim McKernan, Matt Rocchio filling in for Jackson Burkett. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Check out my subwoofer, ladies, as I drive around Francis Park. 
Jackson's dancing to this. I guarantee tonight. you, he's in the back of that limo in Las Vegas. <laughs> Matt Rocchio in for Jackson. Uh, Matt, you have selected our uh, Shinedown ticket giveaway winner. What do we have here? Yes, this party? is from the 636. They said, listen, Rock, we have expectations for this show. We, as the listeners, expect to hate on and complain about everything and take our frustration on, out on piddles. And right now, with zero NBA updates or knowing things about hockey, this is unacceptable. Wow. And Tim, if Rock is going to play the role of that baby-faced gem, you now have to make a heel turn. Wow, there it is. The winner of the Shinedown tickets demanding that Rockio raise his game <laughs> to fill in for Action Jackson. Is, is raise? Is raise the game? I think that's exactly what Raise the game to uh, give NBA and WNBA updates and, and not know what the Monday Night Miracle was. Were you listening? When I the- can't handle the fact that if he had been on the show today, Jackson would have been freaking out about the 53 points from Aya Wilson. Like, like, we're joking about it. He legitimately would have tried to make a whole thing out of her setting a WNBA points record. And then I would have read the text right after this where he goes, well, that's fine. They don't know what they're talking about. It would have been great. I can already I can already picture it. I do love me some piddles. I really do. And I'm, here's the thing. Like, I've been doing this now 20 plus years, and that's, that's what it takes to build up the... I don't even know what the right word for you. In one ear, out the other thing. Jackson's dangerous because he's got it at 25. That's very dangerous. He could become very powerful. It's like uh, watching Star Wars and recognizing when somebody has the Force. But he also has he also has that thing though where he's kind of like the really nice like first grade teacher you had, where she's super kind to everyone. But when that button is finally uh, found, uh, it is it, it is the most terrifying yeah. experience ever. You you can't get Jackson, but if you do, yeah. oh, yeah. it it rattles him and he is uncomfortable for a few minutes. At uh, yeah, the, the yellow diaper is a is, a, a, still, is ref- still a sore spot. I refer to him as I refer to him his basketball skill as essentially if you cut Tracy McGrady in half and ooh, he, like that. he did not like that one. He got game. He got game. Uh, Matt, I guess we have time for one more here on the Angry Beaver, Little Piddles. Sports business newsletter. What do we have? Uh, next two minutes. I, I got another lawsuit for you. What do we got? Who's getting litigation funds? The NCAA. <laughs> Because Reggie Bush is coming after the NCAA. They sent out a letter uh, two years ago to ESPN and all the other affiliates where they were potentially saying that Reggie Bush trying to get his Heisman Trophy back because of name, image, and likeness wasn't going to happen. They pointed out that uh, pay-for-play scandals are directly against NCAA rules, and they always have been. Well, his his, uh, lawyers didn't like that, and he's now coming after them two years later. Um, He's filing a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA, basically saying that that statement is completely false because Reggie Bush has never been or never will be involved with a pay-for-play scandal while he was playing college football. So Reggie Bush coming out for the NCAA because he did not like, like their comment. I love that. I, I am I'm really pro-defamation suits. I, I just I, right now somehow there's an odd state of, uh, and I think social media is is really the the instigator for it. But that one party, and I'm not talking about political parties, one party can say anything, but then if someone were to defend themselves, then that person becomes thin-skinned. Well, if you're, if you're damaging somebody's reputation. So, for example, and I have nothing against Doug Gottlieb, but I liked that Freddie Freeman's agent, I can't recall what the gentleman's name is, went on the aggressive with Gottlieb when he had the report that Freddie Freeman's uh, agent didn't give Freeman the offer that he got from the Braves because he wanted him to go to the Dodgers. And the agent's like, that's completely made up. He damaged my reputation. I'm coming after him. Good for you. I, I'm 100% on board with that. I think there has to be accountability when you damage somebody's reputation by passing something off uh, as fact, the difficult thing with those is that you got to prove malicious intent, and that is such a difficult thing to prove, and it winds up just getting settled. But hey, 
Reggie Bush, God bless, uh, especially when it's the NCAA. I was going to say, are you, I mean, are you who, definitely pro-lawsuit against the NCAA? Who's going to be Who's going to be on the side of the NCAA? All right, time for us to shut it down. Matt, thank you for filling in. We will see you again tomorrow, of course, on the opening drive with Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, and Randy Carricker, and he will join me again here on Balloon Party tomorrow and Friday while Piddles is in Las Vegas. BK and Ferrario are coming up. Next, for Matt Rocchio, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.